0: You're listening to Curated Podcasts from the Beyond Infinity radio show, presented by me, Piers Cunningham.
1: And me, John Young.
0: thought I'd talk a little bit about some changes that are in the pipeline in California relating to the gig economy. Mm-hmm. So... So these sort of outsourced jobs through the internet, often a lot of startups have taken advantage of the fact that they can get people on... uh, They can call them independent contractors, no matter how sort of crucial they are to their business. And a couple of um, big companies over there, Uber and Lyft, Mm -hmm. are right in the uh, spotlight at the moment. Which is their full business model, isn't it? Well, it is their business model to use independent contractors. And there's a law which is called AB5, it's a bill that would require these companies to classify workers as employees, not just independent contractors. Mm. And uh, what this would... Well, it would obviously disrupt their business model, and it would uh, affect food delivery, air taskers, obviously people providing uh, you know, ride-sharing services like Uber as well. And if these changes make it through the Senate which is their kind of last hurdle to pass, Mm -hmm. despite really heavy and uh, powerful lobbying from the likes of Uber and Lyft Mm -hmm. against it, then um, these gig workers would get labour protections and benefits that all employees get, such as unemployment insurance, uh, healthcare subsidies, parental leave being paid Mm -hmm. by the company they work for, overtime pay, workers' compensation, paid rest breaks, and a guaranteed $12 minimum hourly wage. Perhaps more importantly, they'd also be able to unionise. Yes. So some pretty big changes there. They've come up against Uber repeatedly. There's been um, some big sort of turnouts of unions and drivers out in the streets of San Francisco in recent weeks where they're getting out there and saying, look, We've been complaining for years about being underpaid. Yeah, We are such an integral part of their business. They wouldn't have a business if it wasn't for the drivers. Mm. So therefore, we deserve to be considered as employees with the benefits that go with that. Unfortunately, the gig economy is built on effectively cheap labour rates. Yeah. Uber has issued warnings to the, the market. Basically, they're now a publicly floated company following a pretty successful float. Mm-hmm. They've issued warnings about you know possible effects on their profitability going forward if this law, the AB5 bill gets through and uh, then becomes law in California. There's also concerns that the, the model adopted by California, which is where all these startups got going and, mm. and the sort of the home of Silicon Valley, those same changes to the law could actually be adopted elsewhere in the United States. And then from there, maybe around the world. It becomes a global solution. Yeah, yeah. 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 So a bit of a change. I mean, I've always been a little bit cynical about the way these companies define themselves, you know, they're calling it the so-called sharing economy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, really, what's the difference between a taxi and an Uber? The only difference that I can see is that uh, Uber uses a, a sophisticated app mm-hmm. and has therefore circumvented all the traditional uh, business models that applied around around getting a lift, but it's not you're not sharing a ride really. You're you're pay it's you're, you're, you're paying for that you're service. paying a driver yeah. to drive you somewhere yeah. just as you did with a taxi. Yeah. So to call it the sharing economy really is a, a misnomer and it's kind of manipulating it's this sort of fuzzy feel good oh isn't it great that we're sharing yeah. a ride it's good for the environment well we're sharing it well hang on if there's no one else in the car and uber does do uberpool you can you know you sure. can share a ride you can save some money that way that's a good that's a step in the right direction that's a good thing and maybe it's inevitable that 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 apps technology's found a way to upend an industry. This is what happens with disruption. It, it has
1: highlighted issues within the existing industry. I mean, there was sure. there, there were problems within the taxi industry that I had come across mm-hmm. not being well, able it to get a taxi. expensive, yes, for one. Yes, uh, or being refused uh, a ride because I wasn't going far enough, uh, or just a, even a driver not turning up at all. So Uber itself was able to have an app which displayed exactly where the driver was, how far away they were going to be, and you knew how much it was going to be. And I, I don't think I've ever had a, a driver refuse or if I did then there was another driver that was able to replace that driver straight away so it highlighted the the issues with the existing industry here in Australia or particularly in Victoria Melbourne and then was able to solve those issues however at the same time it has harmed the industry and the taxi industry is on its knees at this stage maybe it's recovering but especially a couple of years ago I mean the, the value of their, their, their plates has dropped to essentially nothing
0: And it has to be remembered that Uber's been operating at a loss for many years. Mm. It's been subsidizing the business model that it uses around Mm. the world. Mm. And, And that's because... Basically, making Uber rides as cheap as they are—it's great for consumers in the in the short to medium term. But is it, is it sustainable? Is it actually does it really stack up as a business model if you have to subsidize it? In other words, the cost of running the car—you know—apparently, a lot of places where there's demand for Uber drivers in America, the Uber drivers themselves can't afford to live there, so they've got to commute mm-hmm. in. Yes, they've yep. got to they've got to provide the their, car. It's their costs—it's yeah. got to meet standards by Uber. It's got to, mm-hmm. it's got to be you know new enough it's got to be clean yep. they've got you to have be, a certain rating they exactly yeah. you've got to have a rating you've got to be nice to the customers mm-hmm. no matter how tired you are no and any lifts you've been doing to mm-hmm. to try to try to make ends meet so all of those things kind of suggest that that maybe the model that they've been operating on operating on really isn't sustainable if they're forced to pay more out in worker benefits and, and even minimum hourly rates, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it actually may mean that, that Uber ceases to be a viable option even with mm-hmm. the ability to subsidise or it has to pay even he- heavily sub- heavier
1: subsidies mm-hmm. to keep the whole thing going. It, it is interesting to look at, um, you know, I, I guess, a clear definition of what is an employee versus a contractor mm. and uh, just here in Australia, I'm looking at the today website as a guide mm. and they've got a few key points and one is the degree of control over how and when the work is done uh, which you could probably favor as a contractor because if you are a contractor you can say well I'll do the work whenever Uh, the expectation of ongoing work uh, well I guess that's a mix somewhere between a contractor and employee Mm. Uh, financial risk that's probably more of a contractor Uh, whether superannuation contributions are needed who provides tools and equipment income tax deductions method of payment leave entitlements ability to work for other companies or right to delegate or subcontract. So there, there are a few of the things that uh, they've highlighted as you know what to look at as in the full picture of what, how you determine what a contractor or an employee yeah, is. Yeah, and look,
0: our, our laws are probably a little bit more balanced towards the employee rather than just the sure. employer. America's yeah. laws are kind of a Very bit tougher business, in that corporate. Re- yeah. That that area is a bit tougher in America. But I guess you'd have to say, you know, that's probably the reason why Silicon Valley's in in California rather than mm-hmm. in Victoria mm-hmm. or New South of Wales, course. you know. It is interesting the effect that this is going to have on the bottom line for Uber. And uh, any challenge to the driver's status as contractors threatens Uber's bottom line, which is another reason this bill that's being proposed is so significant. Uber's been upfront with investors about the risk of a labor revolt. In a recent Securities and Exchange Commission filing, Uber acknowledged that giving drivers the same legal rights as employees would, quote, fundamentally change the company's financial model. If, and this is from from Uber, if as a result of legislation or judicial decisions we are required to classify drivers as employees, we would incur significant additional expenses for compensating drivers, potentially including expenses associated with the application of wage and hour laws, including minimum wage, overtime, and meal and rest period requirements, employee benefits, social security contributions, taxes and penalties. Uber knows that it's very profitability and, and the thing that makes mm. it the, one of the darlings of, of Wall Street, mm-hmm. uh, now that it's a, a publicly floated company, they know that this is a very serious challenge to the way that they've been able to raise all that startup capital. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the drivers, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the fact that in Australia we had a we had a very very ta- expensive taxi industry. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was super expensive. It still is expensive to get a taxi, right? But they've at least been offset. Now people can use Uber, and that's why Uber's been so popular. Mm. However given it's an unsustainable business model, in other words, it requires massive subsidies. And we're talking billions and billions of dollars yeah. paid by Uber to make their international operations viable. Yeah, which is uh, coming from the
1: investors it, at this stage. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, is a business like that, it, well, it, it, it will eventually fail because the ability to subsidise, you'd reckon, has to. Mm. Uh, and, and this is tied into uh, to the other thing that we've talked about with Uber is they are desperate to get rid of the driver out of the equation. And yes. that's why they're spending the so much vehicles. money on driverless cars because... They know, and even the plane service, that the automated uh, uh, drone service between Melbourne Airport mm-hmm. and the CBD of Melbourne. I think it's, uh, Melbourne's going to be one of the, the first two pilot cities mm-hmm. for that. And we've got a podcast on beyondinfinity.com.au about that. So if you want to check it out and a lot of other stuff about Uber that we've talked about over the years, you'll find it on
1: our website. I think probably one of the things they would are probably looking at or should be looking at is a mixture of the two, having a part employee uh, operation with mm. Uber mm. and then uh, a, a contractor. So, if mm. you can apply to be an employee, uh, just as you would impl- apply for any normal job, mm. but there would be certain expectations with that, a certain minimum of hours worked. And then, mm. yes, there's already expectations on the vehicle you drive, but there's no expectations on how long you work for it. So, you could you can clock on and clock off within and a few And that's one minutes. of the things that people, yeah.
0: empl- uh, the drivers love about it, is yeah. that, that they got that flexibility they can work when they want to yeah you know so if thinking?
1: they want to be an employee or recognize it an employee well that's fine you go on to the certain rules and regulations that the company can outline as well mm-hmm. that uh, makes you an employee and maybe yeah. you can choose you can choose to do
0: it on a casual basis that's exactly. effectively what you're doing now yes. with some benefits generally flexibility is the main thing that the driver would like or you have the option of making a bit of a bigger commitment in terms of time in terms mm-hmm. of how often you're going to be available to drive mm-hmm. and maybe that's kind of halfway house the other thing i i mean i I hate to say it as a, as a consumer, but I think probably the price of an Uber ride has to go up a bit. Mm-hmm. One, to be able to pay the driver more fairly, yeah. but also to reduce this underlying need to subsidise I mean it's a bit like I mean I know it's a private company well it's a publicly floated company corporation that is subsidising cheap rides but it's a bit like a government subsidising industry they did it in Australia with the car industry for for a long time yes. and it failed yes. it didn't work it wasn't sustainable yep. you do need to find models which don't require subsidising mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I reckon so anyway an interesting story changes the foot keep an eye on that one the AB5 that controversial bill it's got to go through uh, the Senate still for one final vote you can rest assured there'll be a lot of campaigning and lobbying from Uber and Lyft and other gig economy companies that rely on that for their business model and the success of their business model. But if it changes, it'd be really interesting to see because it could have uh, you know big ripple effect around America and the world. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you liked our podcast.
1: And don't forget to follow us on social media. Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or infinity RPP on Twitter.